I can't do this. Whatever, I'm marrying Rich anyways. Is a sentence I've heard from frustrated girls all the time around campus. Who needs a degree of their own to make money within a career when your partner has their own? I used to joke like this all the time, but it's really not a good backup plan. Welcome back to Gold Diggers. This is the second season of a podcast now written and produced by 24 female psychology majors at the University of Georgia. Guided by our amazing and slightly hyperactive professor, Dr. Michelle Van Dellen. In the last season, students dug deep into the psychology of goals and self-control. This season, we'll be translating research and handing out scientifically-based tools to help you achieve all kinds of different goals. So grab a shovel and come with us as we unearth nuggets of knowledge to guide you down the road of achieving your goals. Welcome to Gold Diggers Round 2. Goals! Can you dig it? On this episode, we're going to be talking to Grace. She's a psychology major at the University of Georgia, aspiring to become a nurse. Today, we will see how her goals were brought into question because of her relationship. She had to choose which was more important, the relationship or the goal. To see what happened, let's talk to Grace. February of 2017, I moved from Kennesaw to Atlanta, where I met my ex, who we'll call Stephen. I met Stephen at the most expensive steakhouse Atlanta had. Although completely underdressed and feeling out of place as a broke college girl, we had a great meal and a great time. On our second date, he picked me up with boxes of Swarovski jewelry waiting for me on his passenger seat. I was in love. I thought I found someone who cared for me, who showered me with gifts and truly loved me. And well, maybe he did. But things started turning sour a few months of Steven and I living together in our posh Buckhead high-rise. He came home from work one day, seeming grumpy and angry. He had a bad day. At the time, I was still finishing up some prerequisites for nursing school, and they were pretty hard courses. I expressed to him that I was frustrated too. He turned to me and said, you don't need to be a nurse. You don't need to be a nurse is a sentence that signals red flags. Where's the support we expect to receive from our partners in our goal pursuit? Here's where Stephen began to interfere with Grace's goal pursuit to become a nurse. Without keeping in mind what Grace wanted, Stephen only thought about himself and what was needed out of her. This could have changed how Grace saw herself. There's a notion known as the looking glass self. This means that we usually see ourselves through the eyes of our significant others. We are heavily influenced by the way we believe our significant others see us, and we usually find ourselves pursuing goals that our significant other would want us to pursue and avoid goals that they would not want us to pursue. It is easy to see how Stephen's only focus was how Grace could achieve his goal. His goals for her could change how she saw herself, along with getting in the way of her own goal. In his eyes, he viewed Grace as his partner who would pursue his goals only. Let's get back to Grace. Puzzled, I asked him what he meant. You don't need to be a nurse. You have my money. He then went on to explain to me that his clock was ticking. Stephen was 28. His parents wanted him married by 30 with a baby on the way. You heard me right married with a baby on the way. Stephen was a very successful man, projecting to be a millionaire by 31 years old. He had a list of goals and met every single one. He needed me to complete those last two boxes, to be a father and a husband. Listening to Grace's story, we understand that Stephen has more power in the relationship than Grace does. He had the money to provide Grace with everything she could ever want and need and therefore he believed that there was no need for her to achieve her own academic goals. 
This possibly shows with Stephen being the higher power individual in this relationship. He felt he only needed to focus on the goals he had and spend no time thinking of the goals Grace had for herself. Research has shown that usually what happens in these situations is that the partner with less power, in this case Grace, is more willing to make sacrifices for their partner. Individuals who have low power in a relationship tend to be more willing to accommodate for their partners and tend to prioritize their partner's goals over their own. So in this situation, Stephen may have expected her to come on board to help him pursue his own goal. It could be that low power partners depend on their partner for resources. For example, money. Low power individuals may make attempts to please their higher power partner to ensure that they continue to receive access to those resources that they value. Love and affection can also be big driving factors, but we don't see that in Grace's situation. He felt like a bank account, not a boyfriend. My partner's goals were supposed to be met at the expense of mine. I was being told by someone who was supposed to support me and be there for me that I was to throw away a dream and all the hard work I had done to meet that goal because my partner's was seemingly more important. Did you feel like there was a power differential between you two? There definitely was. He was eight years older than me. We were 20 and 28. So it did sometimes feel like he was the boss because he was older than me. He was also the one with all the money. Being a broke college kid, I was basically, and almost unconsciously, depending on his money. I saw it as someone loving me and wanting to take care of me and give me everything. It was a perfect illusion. Because he was supporting me, and I'll never act like he didn't, there was 100% power differentiation. He knew he had a lot of authority because he was paying for absolutely everything. I tried to convince myself we were equal by doing all the laundry and cleaning and making dinner every night. I'd pack his lunches, but it wasn't equal. There was a time we fought in the kitchen and I said, our apartment, and he cut me off and said, our, this is mine. I pay for it, you sleep here. It really took me back. We were going out that night in a group and I ended up staying back and laying in bed, watching TV with an expensive red wine and crying. In addition to talking to Grace about her personal experiences with support in her relationship, we talked to an expert on relationships and how they affect goal pursuit and physical health. So we called Jerrica Bornstein. So I'm Jerrica Bornstein. I uh, am in my fifth year of my PhD program um, in the Human Development and Family Sciences Department at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, and I study romantic relationships very broadly. Uh, specifically, I guess I would say I study how our romantic relationships influence um, our mental and physical health. What might happen in relationships where partners might not have similar goal alignment? I think when, when people don't have a similar goal alignment, it actually can, depending on how, how big it is, it can lead to relationship dissolution, so relationship breakup. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions about relationships sometimes and attraction is that we're, we're attracted to people who are different than us, and that actually is false. We are actually more attracted to and compatible with people who are similar to us and specifically similar on beliefs and values. The influence of our significant others can tend to have an automatic effect where, without us knowing it, they push us towards goals they want us to pursue and pull us away from goals they do not think are worthy of us pursuing. 
In this case, where Stephen tried to push Grace away from pursuing her goal to become a nurse, he instead was encouraging her to become a wife and mother since that was his goal for her. We see our significant others as more compatible when they have similar goals and are supportive in our goal pursuit. Is there more than one kind of partner support that can be given during times of goal pursuit? Yeah, so there's a couple different, I guess, types of support in general in the, in the research literature. And my advisor at UC really uh, specifically studies uh, received and enacted support, which is these daily um, instances of support. And so received support is uh, basically a participant saying, yes, this person gave me support today. Um, there's different kinds. There's practical, uh, which can be more of, a, you know, oh, they helped me out with the chores today. They cleaned the dishes. They helped me, um, you know, make dinner or more of the emotional. My partner listened to me, empathized with me. Um, and so these are some daily instances that we see of support. And then there's also this general idea that um, called perceived support that we generally, if you know, in times of need, if we needed to call on somebody, that um, this person is in my corner and I know that they would be here to help me if, you know, something catastrophic happened or even if, you know, you just need them. For instance, maybe it's a long-distance relationship and that person isn't physically there every single day to give you that practical support, um, but they're there, you perceive them um, as being somebody who is supportive in your relationship. That is really important and actually has a lot of positive uh, positive outcomes for ourselves with our health and mortality and longevity of life, just having people in our corner. Like Jerrica mentioned, receiving support from our partners can come in daily instances. However, another kind of support includes perceived partner support. Our partners do not always have to be physically present for us to receive their support. Even if they are not physically present, we tend to unconsciously think of them in the pursuit of our active goals. Our goal-directed behavior can in turn be affected by the unconscious presence of our partners. How did the relationship end up? I broke up with him. I told him I just didn't think we had the same values. Our relationship moved fast in general, and I didn't think it was going to slow down. He didn't want it to slow down. It was in July, and I stayed with him in the apartment until I moved into the dorms in August. At first, we were cordial and still, you know, a little still attached. But then he grew really cold. He'd tell me he's seeing other girls and he had a girlfriend before I could move out. He tried to make me give her my keys to the apartment. And that's when I knew it was clear. He just wanted to achieve his marriage goal and would take whoever he could entice next. And I didn't need that. I needed to start my nursing applications. Let's break down the theory that describes what was happening with Grace and Stephen. Transactive goal dynamics theory states that rather than viewing people as single, isolated goal pursuers, people are part of systems in which there is interdependence with other people in goal pursuit. A goal can be either self-directed or partner-directed. Self-directed goals are personal goals that you have for yourself. Partner-directed goals are goals that you have for your partner. Stephen had a partner-directed goal for Grace, to get married within a year and quickly followed by having children. When both partners want the same goal for the same partner, this is called a shared target goal. Although Grace wants to become a wife and a mother someday, at the time her self-directed goals and his partner-directed goals did not match one another. They did not have a shared target goal. When Stephen pursued a goal that he had for Grace when she did not share that goal for herself, 
his behaviors may have felt coercive. It felt more like control than support. Strategies that involve more control instead of support can actually lower relationship satisfaction. After reviewing current research, we believe that the key is to find a happy medium in which we are satisfied with our relationships and the goals we want to achieve. This could be done in one of two ways. One thing we could do is alter our goals. By taking the time to reflect on our goals, we could find small ways to modify them to fit around our relationships. This way, we do not have to give up on our personal goals and can also be happy within our relationships. Grace could have chosen to have kids sooner than she wanted or maybe have decided to put off going to nursing school until later in life. She might have been able to make her own goals fit with Stevens and still be happy. Ultimately, though, that's not what she chose to do. Why did you decide not to give up on your goal? What factors affected your decision? Because I knew I didn't want it. I was going to throw away all the hard work I've done, all the student debt I've put myself in for this, and my main biggest goal is to be a nurse, and I mean at least, because I want to go on and get a master's or a doctorate. Kids in a wedding were and is something so far off for me. It just didn't make sense to jump into. I worked so hard, and I'm so close. This brings us to the other ways that you can make your goal and relationship fit. You can change your relationships. It is important to remember that these ideas do not just apply to romantic relationships, but to all relationships we have, such as with our parents, our siblings, and our friends. We could break up with a partner that doesn't support our goals or find a different workout buddy who actually comes to the gym with us. Sometimes though, we can't completely change our social circle. Some people, like our family members, might be difficult to change or replace. But even with those people, we can change the level of closeness in our relationships with them. We might talk a bit more or less to our mother or a sibling who helps or hurts our goal pursuit. We asked Jerrica about this idea too. Here's what she had to say about whether people should change their goals or change their level of closeness in their relationships. To me, you know, it's how much does that goal mean to you? Um, I think that there's a time and a place for compromise. Um, right? Again, I, I think you know, diet, dieting is one of the easiest kind of most basic things to talk about is, uh, you know, maybe you set a compromise where you guys go out to eat once a week and, you know, cook all the other meals at home. And maybe, you know, you have one day where you go out and decide to like splurge a little and get a dessert together. Um, and I think, you know, something, something like that, there is a compromise, it's easy and basic, but if you're talking about maybe like lifelong goals and passions and beliefs and values of, you know, your friend wanting to become a nurse, that is a huge life path. And I think if your partner can't get on the same page or support you, then you also have to think about, you know, is, if I don't do this, is this something I can live with for the rest of my life? Or, you know, uh, or would I be upset and like, do I, do I have to pursue this? I think what kind of, you know, matters more in a sense. And I think if you can compromise, that's probably the best way to go. But, um, sometimes if it affects you at that big, big of a scale, then, uh, it's not worth it. People we surround ourselves with can have a big effect on us achieving and pursuing our goals. The good news is that you can have some control over this. People vary in how much they put the right people in and keep the wrong people out of their social environment. In fact, the people who tend to do this are also the same people who are the best at achieving their goals. But bottom line, goal pursuit is challenging. Everyone is distracted by temptations and offers that lure them away from their goals. 
Why not make things a little bit easier on yourself and keep friends around that help you get things done? Here's what Jerrica had to say. For instance, right, again, having uh, the goal or wanting to have kids. If your partner doesn't want that as well, you know, that's probably not the person for you. And I also kind of say with, um, in general, whether it's goals or support, um, I think, right, when we're all, when we're in a relationship with somebody, there are always going to be things that bother us about that person. That person is not perfect. And so the question I always ask, whether it's myself or friends, is could you live with that little nuance of that thing that annoys you with that person for the rest of your life? You know, so kind of with your goals, you know, is this partner who's affecting my goals? Is this something I could live with for the rest of my life? Relationships and goals influence each other. It's worth thinking about whether your goals have some aspects where you can compromise. Can you and your partner navigate what you both want? If yes, you can alter your goal in those ways. If you can change the relationship, maybe you should. Before you get too committed, evaluate early on whether that person can support your big goals. And then think about how you can use your relationships to support your goals. Draw closer to people who are motivating or helpful and surround yourself in a positive, encouraging environment especially when that goal is really important to you. A special shout out to the University of Georgia Library Database for giving us ample access to research and resources. Hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast channel to tune into our upcoming episodes and also follow us on Twitter at GoldDiggersPOD, on Instagram and Facebook at GoldDiggersPodcast, and Spotify, GoldDiggersOfficial. Thank you for listening and keep on digging! This episode was produced, recorded, and edited by Peyton Ricketts, Johanna Mercurio, Miriam Latif, Grace Santaguida, and Tori Ingram. A special thanks to Johanna Mercurio for producing music and editing, and to Dream of Beavers and Angel Ash for conducting the interviews. Look out on our Facebook page for the show notes.